Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to Spoiler Alert. <coughs> oh, no. Oh, are we recording? That's <laughs> No, I just often intro the I, show. I mean, sometimes you out. practice it. <laughs> <laughs> we're randomly walking down the street and you're just like, what's up? And yeah. it's, I, what's I, up? I, what? What's the intro to the show, Noel, uh, that you're on? What's the intro that I say every week? Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and our sidekicks and henchmen. There you go. It's uh, our sidekicks and henchmen, henchmen in the, out there in the Geek out Nation. Out there this week. Out there in the Geek Nation. Come I on. listen, though. I do. You're listening it's... to Spoiler Alert. I'm your host, Johnny where, 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 Destructo. Where? With me this week <laughs> is Mark underscore L underscore Miller. Uh-uh. Yo. And Noel. Sup. Sadded. <laughs> brah. Brah. Comics, brah. Uh, all right. We are here to talk about this week's comic books. But first, we have <gasps> a voicemail. Sound effect. VM. Insert here. This is for editing purposes. Bwong. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, opening it up on speakpipe.com. Here we go. It's 30 seconds. In regards to episode whatever the fuck, um, Superman Year One, could it be that I, Clark, is speaking in the first person, as a child would tend to do? A child on the lowest rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Just think Mark narrating. I, I, Clark. It, it's just, ah! All right, miss you, love you. All right, so that was from uh, Rob Patey, a.k.a. Optimus Douche, previous co-host of the show. The the lowest rung on the hierarchy of needs. So that's id, ego, and superego. Id being base needs like Mark. Drink, eat, fuck, live. Yeah. No. So he's saying that that kind of like referencing to oneself is. Well, no, I, I yes, but he's saying it's the lowest rung. Of the hierarchy of needs, and that's yeah. the perspective Ice of the character cream. when talking about themselves yeah. in that way. So, yeah, maybe he doesn't understand. <laughs> maybe who doesn't so that's, understand? that's Clark Kent, right? Yeah. Clark Kent is, is pure id at no, this point. No, he's not. I know he's not. Oh, at that this point. Not, at this point. That was not uh, Frank. Maybe Frank Miller is now. Well, I, well, I know, but that's that's... I'm assuming that that's in response to us wondering who the hell the narrator is in the story. Well, because the and point Rob of is... view of the narrator... Oh, by the way, y'all, we're talking about Superman Year One by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. It's one of the new releases coming out of the new line of adult comics from DC Comics called Black Label. Number one had come out. We reviewed it. We talked about it. And there were, there were caption boxes uh, from several different points of view, and they were all the same color, all the same font, there was no differentiating who was speaking or thinking or omnisciently narrating at it, any point in time. It changed so that's what we're often. Sometimes it was Clark. Sometimes it was Pa. Sometimes it was just God. Sometimes yeah. it was Zor-El. Jor-El. So, so I, I assume um, 
Senor Douche, Mr. Douche, Mr. Douche, yeah, Mr. If, Douche. I, if, I, yeah. if I may say so, um, is positing that maybe it's, you know, from the character's perspective, the lowest rung of hierarchy, um, which I don't think is right. No. I think it's just bad writing. I think it's just Carry bad on. writing. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. much as I, I actually quite enjoyed the book, mm-hmm. it was not perfect. I can't re- wait to read issue two. Ditto. Me yeah, too. I'm curious to see what's like, going on. Seriously, yeah. like, I'm, I'm not even like being a troll. Like, I want to know what, how, the, what, how this is wrapped up. Ditto. I am being a troll. <laughs> I don't see it. Um, all right, we have another voicemail. Who's it from? This one's only 38 seconds. <laughs> I think Frank Miller has a problem relating to the character. Yeah, Baby Boomer New Yorker is a different franchise from a Midwestern teenager, yes. Also, I think Frank Miller has a problem relating to human beings now, um, mainly because he just sees us as creatures that are there to make sure his buttocks are fucking clean and tidy. <laughs> Miller can't really... Oh, God. Uh, miss you, love you, bye-bye. <laughs> he cracked himself up. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it was it was contagious. I found myself laughing along <laughs> with him. Um, and yeah, so yes. at, at a certain point, we decided that maybe Frank Miller wasn't in touch with the Midwestern sensibilities of a young Clark of a twelve year old Clark. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he was just agreeing with us. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, uh, thank you so much, Optimus Douche, for letting your voice be heard. Even when he agrees with us, it still sounds like. He's yelling like at he us, hates and us. I love yeah. it. I just love it. Yeah. So um, you, too, can go to cultpopgo.com, click on the banner, leave us a voicemail from your phone. It's quick and easy, and we'll play it on the show. Or you can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com, and we will read that on the show. And uh, if you have any questions, we will certainly discuss those. Uh, and please do it, because we love it. I think, uh, did Mark, did you want to talk about last week's comics? Yes. Oh, we also um, have a voicemail from Mark underscore L underscore it's a, Miller. It's a real-time voicemail. Yeah, I'm going to press play on Mark right now. Click. Okay, who's, all right, I'm dialing the number. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, hold on, there's a lot of zeros. In the, in this <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to commend you guys because I think it was a really good uh, episode um, and it did a really good job, uh, thorough job of, of uh, going through that entire uh, run of comics that I did not read, but now I felt like I read it and so I don't need to oh. anymore. So <laughs> I mean, I can okay. I can happily we, avoid we, all of it. We took money from Marvel. <laughs> yes. No, but it was good. I, I just think that um, I I didn't really feel like I wanted to really support that that crossover because it was so bloated and and uh, it sounded like some of the the miniseries were decent, but for mm. the most part, um, if they would have just stuck to those six issues, it sounds like it would have been pretty pretty tight and um pretty pretty cool but um. i'm actually at a point now where i've read all six issues i liked it so much that i'm going to go and i've heard other podcasts and and people come into my store raving about some of those miniseries that i still want to go back and read those miniseries i'm Mm -hmm. not even done with the event yet that's how much i'm enjoying it uh and then this week i'm looking at a stack of books that comes out this wednesday and war of realms omega comes out so we still have that one left to discuss but um, I'm surprised at how well received some of these miniseries mm-hmm. are, considering yeah. all of the eye rolling that I've seen and, and part, partook in. Yeah, well, when I, this was announced. I, I yeah, we were at, we were haters, uh, admittedly. About I looked at the, a lot of the covers of these. Um, 
uh, all of these miniseries. And all it seemed like was just everybody was fighting frost giants and everybody was fighting <laughs> evil elves. And it was like, you know, that's that it's not really a foe that is really um, engaging to me, especially not the villain from uh, Thor 2. You know, it just wasn't the it was interesting that they went that route. It's, it was almost like they doubled down on uh, on the uh, dark world, dark realm. What dark, the hell was that? Uh, dark world. Dark world. Yeah. yeah. It, it just felt like they were like, fuck it. We are going to get this right. Um, and maybe they did. I don't know. It sounds like yeah. to you guys, it sounds like from what you guys said, they got it right. But you, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still not interested. I mean, you guys didn't convince me to go back. <laughs> I'm wildly I'm biased. I listened to the, to the, um, to the, the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm I like like I was gonna say I'm I'm wildly biased because I've been reading this run of Thor, so I feel like even even those fill-ins or those issues during the crossover were were just like nice little side moments. Because yeah. um, a, a, a lot of times with crossovers like that, it's either it's either they put something integral in the main book or in in the you know like the main character's uh, solitary book. And if you're reading the events, you don't get that piece or it's only like given service or the other way around where the event book is like super important. And if you're reading along in the, you know, the single book, then it it's just all filler and it feels empty. This was like a really great balance. This was a good I liked this event. I also want to agree with you, uh, Noel, that um, the art on Thor has really left me unimpressed and it really killed that book for me oh that was that was jd that was i ended up i ended up starting to like it like Mike oh, really? is not yeah for me. well it, it depends like um i went back and forth from arc to arc sometimes issue to issue because depending on where they are in the story so like when they're in svartalheim or no when they're in hell the mike del mundo art is amazing because it just like works in that environment but then when they're telling a different story in like svartalheim it felt off so like from issue to issue it was it was touch and go. Yeah, I just didn't like that artist on Thor. I that's, just think um, it's totally fair. It was just too pastel, too painterly, too. Uh, I I don't I don't know. There was something about it. It, it just felt like it, I I just like a little bit more of a distinct line in uh, in the artwork that I get in comics. Um, just you know, line work and uh, and it just that that wasn't as distinct in in that as it was in. And I mean, Dodderman is is amazing. Yeah, so, a Dodderman like, I didn't like as much when he first came around, but really grown on me over the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Speaking of bloated event books, Age of <laughs> X Man is still going on. Oh, less, we're starting with the best of the week. <laughs> yeah, it's less of an event and more of just like a a, a elongated fart <laughs> in print. Uh, um, so Age of X-Men, Prisoner X, number five, with uh, writer Vita Ayala and artist German um, Peralta and Matt Horick. I gave up on this series long ago, but Noel and Mark said they were going to keep up with it? Yep. So it's, go ahead, fellows. Uh, sh- am I missing out? Should, no. I, should I be picking this up? This, this long, wet fart? No. <laughs> you made it wet now. <laughs> um, no. I... I, I don't want to be super dismissive. It's not a fart. It's just, it's, I mean, uh, do you want to be the broken record or should I be the broken record? It's the yeah, same. I mean, it's it's basically, it's, it's, 
it's it's a broken record. You know, it's yeah. forcing us to be a broken record because it's. It, I mean, it's using the exact same themes. Someone's being manipulated. They've been acting not like themselves for all this time, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's the fifth issue. So now everybody is starting to act like themselves and is ready for a big fight, basically. At yeah. The end of this. And and just like at the end of the so like what's next? This was the last. This was the last shoe to drop. Every other series is is up. This is it. I believe. Well, there's an Omega. And now there's issue. Omega. Yeah. All right. So, so me, I, this, this is the question I'm dying to ask. Oh wait, no, this isn't the last one. I'm oh, sorry. There's you. an nope. extremist over there. Oh, you're right. Extract. Sorry. But now that this, you've read all the five ish number five issues that have come out so far. Most of them. How have they ended? Have they let? Uh, do they all live, leave us on a cliffhanger that takes us to Omega? They all. Well, so in the instance of Next Gen and Nightcrawler, they ended in just. I remember and, and Nightcrawler like made farts. you real mad. Nightcrawler did piss me off. Next Gen also, they ended up in jail. Okay. And now they're in jail during this issue with okay. no real introduction. So between issue four and five, they ended up in, in this Prisoner one. X. In Prisoner X. Okay, that's neat. Oh, they're just in the background. It oh. doesn't matter. Um, Wait, who is in there? The Next Gen kids. So Glob and Oh, that's Armor. right. They are, aren't they? I just saw them in there, yeah. yeah I didn't so realize they were in there. There was not... The end of Next Gen, they end up in jail. That's it. Yeah, oh. okay. But cool. it's like they had no presence in this story Not at all. At all. Yeah. No. Okay. This is like a Red Skies moment. It's just like, right. oh, look, it's whatever. Red Skies being? Oh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, other books needing to, quote unquote, tie in to the crisis that's happening. They yeah. just like, you know. Hey, look, the sky's red. The sky's red. Anyway, Something must be going on. There. Yeah. <laughs> Let's tell <laughs> our story. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a short term for inconsequential tie in. Yeah. Gotcha. I knew that. I just wanted to make sure that the yeah. audience member knew that. Um, <laughs> as far as the art's concerned, I'm not. I, I don't hate the art. No, not I think at all. That it's kind of sloppy at times. I'm not a big fan of the kind of comical way they draw Legion. Like they make him. He's got a very weak chin and a very thick neck, which makes him look like kind of like a. a, a character from like a looney tunes or yeah you, you wow. know what i mean yeah it's i always i do see it good i was just gonna say i always wondered is that how he's having people see him i don't know because it's I, so I, wildly I mean, different from everyone how everyone else is kind of proportioned yeah i mean he, he is yeah he's that's the thing it's like he is very distinct and um like it seems like the artist was either just having a lot of fun with it or just not really knowing like or just really trying to make him stand out. Everyone else is very boring looking. That's the other thing about this book. It, it's there are characters in here. I have no idea who the, what their names are or anything. Um, like you wouldn't even know Shard was Shard, wasn't it? Shard isn't that her name? His sister. His sister. I honestly didn't even really know about her until this series when they like she, this is my sister. There was never a point in this story where she was introduced. Um, no. She just kind of pops in. I don't think she's even given a name, um, but she is the she is the reason. She was like the motivation for Bishop to actually go back to his time, I guess, or maybe he lost her in battle, and it, there was something like that. He came back in time with a couple other guys, and he was the only one that, that survived. I think that's how the original story was, mm -hmm. and I think her sister was. Uh, one that was someone that he wanted to either go back and rescue or just be reunited with. And that was always his kind of motivation, I think. Um, but I, I, I thought it no was Layla Miller for two issues. So, yeah, no, that's hmm. a shard. But um, the, I think that 
one of the problems is that that we we know we get into a couple of people's heads here but um this series kind of seemed to just like the uh uh what's the one where last week we did um with north star and uh oh um extremists or extremists. department department x is that extremist yeah extremists yeah it felt as if like there was there wasn't a central character after a while. It's like Bishop was supposed to be the central character, but then we had a beast issue and then we had a, a Polaris kind of focused issue. And then Legion shows up in this issue and it, it just feel felt like it was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like all of these characters. They're not your normal characters that you see in X titles. So it's fun to see these characters kind of interact with each other. It's just that I, I think once again, um, either the the sh- shortness of the series didn't allow the team to really kind of get into each character. Like, if this would be like a 20-issue arc... Oh, God! And, and <laughs> I'm just saying, like, say this was just a, in, set in, our, set in the, the 616 and there were a couple of mutants in jail and there was a whole thing like this where there was a mastermind in the jail and, and all this other stuff... Um, it would be kind of interesting, I think, um, set up as with this, where it's all has the same sort of problems that the original, um, premise of this entire crossover works. I, I don't think it works, but I, I, I think that I, I don't think that the people who are behind this, I, I thought it felt, felt like they were going for that 20 issue arc, but then they, they were basically, not able to squeeze it into a five issue yeah, sort. Of thing. I I don't think I don't you think know that what the, I mean? uh, yeah I, I you're you're talking about like the model versus the like the the form form versus function. So like I don't think the model of this kind of uh, quote unquote event is broken. I just don't think that they had enough story to tell, and I yeah. and the way that they divvied it out, it puts short shrift and or half assed these side stories that add up to really not much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like this. So far, there's enough maybe plot content or like real like bare bones plot progression for maybe four or five issues total. And we're up to like 26, 27. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have been interesting if like editorial would have been able to thread some. It seemed like uh, like um, the Apocalypse book and the Marvel or the Marvelous Marvelous X-Men. Um, they they were kind of tied together, but none of the other ones really were. Um, well, also too, the way that these were kind of rolled out didn't make <clears throat> super sense. So, Amazing Nightcrawler, um, I guess, doesn't happen concurrently with Marvelous X Men because the character is in a different place or whatever. Yeah. Um, extremists and Marvelous X Men inter- like crossover once with a dead body, but the character well, no, there is was still a, alive yeah, during. Wasn't- Extremists. There was that thing in the uh, the Central Park thing where there was a Central Park thing. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And then and then Moneta being dead. Yeah, but she's dead in Marvelous X Men two issues before she's dead in Extremists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I. This is great. Everybody should read it. Buy the omnibus. <laughs> no, it's just I, I I definitely think what the the fault lies in editorial yeah. in not coming up with a clear concept, not coming up with a concept that could be spread across this um, this amount of issues, and um, not managing each team so that they actually function together to actually sort of feel like you're telling a big story, which sounds like what 
the whoever the editors were for uh, War of Realms, they did a good job at that. In this in this job, the editors kind of failed. Yeah, there's um there's no, I I couldn't tell you whose story this is. Like like something with like War of Realms, it it's Jason Aaron's story, and everyone is working in support of that. There's a there's a yeah. spine. I don't know who's, you know, driving the ship here. It's just well, a bunch of captains. Yeah, and I think I mean the people who wrote um, the people who wrote the the Alpha and Omega parts of this, and I think they also wrote the um, Marvelous X Men part of it, um, or one of those. Um, they are they the head. Writers yeah, they're of this? the head writers of this, but it's it's kind of their first Marvel work. Oh, and Zach Thompson. To have, yeah, it it well not first, but it's like they've only done like one or two things at at Marvel. And Jason Aaron's a pro at this. He's yeah. been doing this for years and he knows how these things work. These guys I think they came in with a big idea and impressed editorial, I guess, and just kind of they went with it without really having the experience of threading together a, a, a an impressive crossover. You know what too? Like since this started like we know now that um all of the X titles are being rebooted yeah. right after this. Yeah. So I, I don't like part of me now thinks like is it possible that this is like a reverse engineered kind of event? Like we need to just fill in six months worth of Yeah, of I think story. by this got? point by this point, yes, but I think that um five months ago when this thing started God, has it been five months? Uh, but um, I don't think they knew about the the, the Hickman thing. Um, well, I mean, so. editorial should have. He's taking over I all the books. I, maybe they, maybe they I feel like sometimes that. those things happen very quickly because, yeah. because of things yeah. like – and again, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm not course. there in the meetings. But Conjecture. I don't, yeah, I don't think this is going very well. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if that's maybe them going, ooh, we need to, to do something yeah. with these X, these X books. But that's me making something out of nothing, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I, I, this is definitely a low point in uh, X-Men history. Title, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't know, it's a long history. I'm sure there's something worse. I'm sure. Just, just the fact that, honestly, there's not a lot that happened in any of these miniseries that really mattered as much that we're going to go into the uh, final issue like thinking like, Ooh, this is going to be big. I'm not looking forward to this big battle that everybody is going. Because honestly, yeah, I guess X Man is the bad guy. But we it was revealed in the last issue of the one of the series that he didn't even know he was the bad guy. He kind of mind wiped himself. Yep. And so it's like, who are they all gathering to battle? Not only is there no conflict, but the conflict is unaware of there being a conflict. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. So they're going to just yeah. beat up a guy that didn't even know he did the bad thing. And it, it, it's like, at least in this issue, we get Legion, which is a fun character. I like the I like the uh, kind of sequence in this issue where they're in this like kind of long, weird uh, fisheye lens hallway, and they go in one door mm-hmm. and they come out the other. And that was kind of fun. Do you remember that in this issue? Of course. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding. You can't hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but that... <laughs> um, all the other stuff, I, I, that's like that's like one page of this book that I, I found kind of entertaining. The other stuff, I just wasn't. Um... I, none of these are. Uh, so, why are we still talking about this? Just it's Sorry. just it's all just aggressively mediocre. None of this is the only thing that's ever aggravated me has really just been 
Nightcrawler. Other yeah. than that, it's just middling. Yeah. Like uh, okay, uh, I do like the design of the Ooh. beast here. The oh yeah, he's so always, cool with his beard. Yeah, he looks like uh, they. He, there was always a, a thing where I always thought like, why does the beast and Wolverine have the same hair? And it always annoyed me a little bit. And so here it's like they've kind of given him. I mean, he has hair. But it's like, and then he's got the big beard, so it kind of makes it gives him a distinct look that he hasn't had in a little while. So that's yeah, nasty. Of, looks cool. Yeah, very cool. All right, I, we're gonna that's we it. should we should move out of X Man Corner, X Man X Man Minute. Done with that our X Men. Fifteen minutes. Touch I was say, yes. touch on yeah. Arrow number <laughs> one from Marvel Comics, um, written by Zhu Liefen. Z-H-O-U, Leafen, with art by Kang, and it says, Adaptation by Greg Pak. And then there is a, a backup story called Arrow and Wave, Origins and Destinies, Part 1, written by Greg Pak. And, uh, oh, Pop Man, look at that. I didn't realize that was like, oh, they much different um, style these days. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so Arrow, I didn't realize this, is one of the characters introduced in the War of Realms new Agents, Agents of, of Atlas, Atlas series, which I did not read yet, but I have had several Asian customers come in looking for it because, and I didn't realize this when I ordered them, it's an Asian team. Mm-hmm. I didn't have no idea. Um, even though had I just looked at all of the characters on the cover, I'd be like, oh, it's an Asian team. <laughs> so, um, yeah, arrow number one is, uh, let's see, with the power of the wind at her command, Li Ling is the master of the sky. She is the astonishing, awe-inspiring arrow. And this she's basically a superhero in what what city shanghai shanghai and she is a person who built design she's an architect she's an architect she's astonishing and awe-inspiring were you guys awe-inspired and uh astonished i was neither of those things but i did enjoy it i liked it so this is this is not for me okay well i I, like I, i recognized um it I recognize that it's um it's good, but I don't I don't even like vaguely scratch the the Venn diagram of of all the things that are happening. So like I, I don't I've I've never really gotten into manga, which is a definite style choice here. Oh, I've yes. never really gotten into anime, which is definitely an inspiration, and I don't know anything about this character. and And this was all voiceover of her of of like being talked at about mm, this person. Problem. That's a problem. So, with this entire issue. So I was just like. Yeah, this is good. I I don't think I don't think it's, it's like not for me. Like I am uh, not the reader they have in mind. Sure. I, I yeah. I'm not the reader they have in mind either. But it, but it's not good. I I don't think uh, I. It's not comic books. It's someone sitting there just basically voiceovering to you where she's and as she's kind of just floating through the air. She's not a she doesn't have a compelling look. She doesn't oh. have a compelling. Does she have a look? It's oh, I love like, I love this know, outfit. I was I was actually impressed it's by her outfit. White, I like it a lot. It's, it's just a white suit. It's just white. There's nothing. I liked the bad guy. Like I liked the sentient buildings. I liked the sentient buildings. That was really buildings. cool. That's the only thing. But had maybe we could have seen like the cause of the sentient buildings. Maybe a a, a word balloon. Other than hi hi hi, uh, you know, all it was was she says let it fall, mm-hmm. um, because that she accidentally spoke outside of her head for a second um she does not interact with any other characters in this in this thing except for walking into a restaurant and seeing her boyfriend and saying hi to him and he says hi to her and that's it um everything else is just her floating in the air and smoke and wind 
swirling around them. There's no supporting cast. There's nothing. It's just her telling us how great she is. You know what? We had we actually had an, um, a conversation like this not too long ago, but I can't remember for what. Hmm. Oh, for Event Leviathan. This Something like this feels like a zero issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree like, with that. It doesn't feel like it started anything. It just kind of like... Terse, like at a tertiary level, just kind of like gave you little bits of of something that's not really a full meal. Well, what what's going on here is she is an architect and she has built these skyscrapers in Shanghai, and a couple of them have animated. They have become giant mm-hmm. um, mecha, not mecha. Uh, what is what's the word I'm looking for? Kaiju, giant monsters. Uh-huh. As kaiju literally like just does that have to be a monster or can it be a building? Anyway, it's uh, they turn into. Giant walking concrete mechs. Mech, yeah, giant yeah. giant concrete monsters, and uh, she battles a couple of them, and then flashes back to uh, six months ago or something, I think, where she has to meet her boyfriend, and um, months earlier, yeah, months, yeah. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, this feels like it should be read in a trade paperback. Not in issue. I think, well, I, I think you guys are being very forgiving to this. I mean, I, I, I'm, yeah, it's great that there is an Asian superheroine, um, and it, that it's re- representing a, a, a kind of an audience that it hasn't been really represented, but represented with something good. This is not. She does not have a compelling. Uh, I, I don't think. There, is there anything iconic about her outfit? I like the outfit. The coat's kind of cool. I like the is, coat. Wait, she's, got the the clear, she's got the she's clear. She's got the clear coat. She's got a see-through. She's got a see-through I, coat. I actually have a question. Is, can anybody answer this though? Like, what's the level of adaptation here? The original writer and Greg Pak. Maybe this is a lost in translation kind of thing. Where or be. was or is the original thing longer, and then it's been segmented. That's why it feels light. Also, I think that manga is much more heavy in internal monologuing yeah, than we are thing. over here. Yeah. Um, so I did notice, I mean, obviously I noted all, all the um, the dialogue, bo- not dialogue, monologue boxing, mm-hmm. right? But um, yeah, I wasn't well, bothered about it. It felt like I was reading a manga. I've been watching a lot of anime recently and it felt mm-hmm. like a bunch of the stuff that I've been in, you know, engaging in recently. So it's, it didn't really a, feel out of place for me. It's a form that I have a blind spot for. So I, you know what? I almost couldn't even tell you if it's good manga, anime ish or not because i really do have a blind spot when it comes to anime. now let me ask you this did you guys like the follow-up better mm, no oh i i i think i didn't learn anything more about her mm-hmm. i got another origin story in a first issue that that isn't even of the character and i got more interaction i i feel i almost know wave better more than, than you know do arrow. arrow now i agree with that sure um i i think that uh it, it i think this is just a poorly constructed issue i honestly and it's like i don't want to be all down on this because I think the art is very vivid and everything. And I think the Mm. intentions are good, but I think that, um, this is, I mean, think of this as imagine Peter Parker or imagine Kamala Khan. Um, at the first issue you were introduced to the two, I, not some, well, I, I don't know. I don't remember the first issue of Peter Parker. I didn't, I, I, I didn't pick up fantasy 15 fantasy. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't pick up amazing fantasy, but at least we knew aunt may, we knew uncle Ben, we knew flash and some of the other characters, J Jonah Jameson and stuff like that by the first, by the first issue or so, or at least in the first issue, Peter Parker interacted with somebody. Um, here she's not interacting with anybody but her cell phone. 
um, and and basically the audience and basically internal monologuing. Um, she says hi to her boyfriend and then disappears. And it just feels it just does not feel like it wants to connect with the, the reader. Mm-hmm. It just wants to kind of just present this person just doing a bunch of things. And I'm not it's. It, and I'm not against all the action. It's just that it's action for action's sake and there's no weight to it because you don't know. You don't know if maybe it's I was thinking, is her boyfriend the guy that's doing the uh, the building thing? Is he the one doing that? Because he's the only other character that we're even slightly introduced to. Right. You know, it's just it, when you when you don't have that, you just really you make leaps like that, which I, I seriously don't think that in the first issue they're going to have her her boyfriend be the bad guy but maybe she maybe that is maybe that maybe they're the only two people alive in this entire world um, yeah they, they they introduce you to this boyfriend in the what was it um six months earlier and it's basically yeah. her just flying through like she's she's at work she's an architect um she has a she said goodbye to her assistant and then it's her flying she decides oh well there's too much traffic, traffic. Yeah. is it okay for me to use my powers to like avoid traffic she decides yes um, she pontificates about Iron Man on her way there, and then she finally meets the boyfriend at the restaurant, and then we're back at now where she's fighting the the building monster. It it felt very um, disjointed. Like I don't understand why we had so far her going no... to a date. That's why I said there's maybe no it reads it, yeah. better in a yeah. trade because yeah. maybe the next scene after this, you know, this cliffhanger is oh we go back to that conversation. You know what I mean? Like maybe I don't know. They, maybe they eat an appetizer. Yeah, can exactly. We, so can we, can I, we go back to the the backup for a second? Oh, like sure. uh, the the things that. So I, I'm not privy to. The, I didn't read the New Age Agents of yeah. Atlas. Me neither. Um, so the only thing I really learned from this is Triumph Division are kind of dicks. Yeah. And yep. um, even though Arrow doesn't know Wave that well. She's willing to fight another super team of heroes for her, mm-hmm. which well, apparently which, they bonded while they were all fighting in. But apparently, just, not enough it, for it the Triumph out. Division, the War of Rome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, it's just it, like even the the pricky responses of like I thought she was with you. Yeah, we did too. Like it's it's clear from everyone else that whatever did transpire or whatever order she didn't take still worked and saved the day mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't know it, it just it the it's like the backup really gave me a more sour taste than i'm not than entirely sure why triumph division is coming to get her they're getting her stuff they're like your shield your your swords and whatever are property of triumph yeah, but division why because she was fired because she oh they said that she uh um shamed the triumph division by leaving them and fighting and going to fight with the agents of atlas oh okay all right thank you i missed that oh bit. for abandoning my post oh yeah. okay so her going to join the war of the realms <laughs> she didn't have like permission to do that i guess so, yeah. so now that now the team's like give us your cape give us your shit mm. back yeah. interesting um not really <laughs> i don't know maybe it is i don't know i was just i this this book annoyed me um uh, i definitely think that the i want a sunfire series i want a <laughs> i want to um, you know give me give me, <laughs> give me give me big hero six uh-huh. give me uh you know oh, give yeah me, what give the me, hell 
give me shit that actually you know that actually would be cool as a as like in either a manga form or representing of the of asian culture and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i think there are plenty of characters out there or even if you want to introduce a new character, don't just introduce a new character and then just don't have him any re- give him any reference point. If mm-hmm. you're going to have Iron Man on a billboard, I think it would have been better if if Arrow would have interacted with Iron Man, maybe with Stark Industries about like trying to build a building and, and have a scene where she actually talks with Tony Stark, and then maybe they team up together. This is a, this is like old school comic booking, mm-hmm. but it's it's old school and and good as well. I think you know it's just mm-hmm. you can't just introduce somebody like this even uh like kamala khan has and i'm not the biggest fan of that but they're smart enough to have them interact with more established characters to just to kind of give them uh, a little bit of weight and a little bit of like you know inclusion in the rest of the marvel universe here it just feels like oh this is a this is another pocket of the marvel universe like the marvel uk thing in the 1990s that you know they they are they'll be easy, easily forgotten in a couple of years. Or the, yeah. the remember, what's the wave thing they did a while oh, back? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. There was like an imprint, Tidal right? Wave. Yeah. yeah. Tidal, and it's like most, most, yeah, yeah, most of those are, are gone as well, except, I, I don't know. I think Big Hero 6 was actually in that, right? Oh, I don't know. Honestly, I didn't know Big Hero 6 was a thing until that movie came out. And there, I was like, it was a comic book? What? And yeah. to go back, I, I to go back on your point there... I cannot believe there's not an ongoing Big Hero Six comic book. How is yeah. that possible? There's a there's a Disney cartoon of it. Yeah, still. Yeah, right now it's, it's just ridiculous. there needs to be a comic for this thing. It yeah. doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, so I agree with you there. Um, and I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, I think it feels in line with a bunch of manga manga that I've been reading. So um, I think it's a cultural thing where they're very much in their feelings, and there's a lot of. Um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just monologuing, right? About their feelings and about their life and everything. So yeah. you're not wrong. Um, yeah. But to me, it just felt very manga. You know, she's talking about her feelings uh, and then she fights big, um, big threats that are bigger than the city. You know what I mean? So it just felt on point for me. But yeah, yeah no, I certainly get what you're saying. And I, I, I'm, I am going to, I love this jacket. I love her outfit. I think her the stuff underneath the jacket could use a little bit more design. Uh, it feels very generic under that coat. But I, for some reason, I just love that. It's almost like a rain slicker kind of thing. But it's like part cape, but it also has sleeves. I just kind of dig that. But um, uh, I could definitely see why this isn't for everybody. Yeah, like, like I said. a logo I, or something. I have yeah, a, yeah. I have a blind spot in this style, whatever they're, whatever they're referencing, the 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 pace of it. So I almost didn't know. Like, it's just, it's, I, just, I knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. Like even Mark, but you're saying, well. uh, what's her name? Wave, even wave. Her costume is green and black, but on the chest piece, there are sort of like wave like, um, design elements, but there's nothing yeah. on arrows. It's just, she's got a white outfit with a couple of black bands around her thighs and midriff. Yeah. There's nothing like air. There's nothing that says air power to me so i guess you can't but i mean it's unless she's like naked and like you can see through everything there's not really anything you know air is see-through <laughs> well i mean so, you know the, I'm, I'm thinking of yeah. um, like uh avatar the last airbender the um the airbenders yeah. actually have like a logo that is yeah there's iconography uh, yeah iconography yeah, thing, yeah something yeah. something i yeah. agree i mean i get the see-through jacket that would be cool the the generic costume underneath i could I, she needs something better um 
It just needs a better design, I think. I don't yeah. know. But um, if this Pop is... Man's art, I like Pop oh, Man's art. Yeah, I didn't used to like Pop Man's art back in the '90s, but I think this the back backup story on this looks nice. And I get it that they're maybe it, they have the air and the water um, kind of references, and that's the like the, they're a natural sort of team up, kind of like fire and ice. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, still, it it needs some. I I don't know. It just feels uh, maybe if they would just call this air arrow and wave and just kind of do a team up book Mm -hmm. that would be kind of interesting um but on her own i just didn't find this character very interesting Um, okay yeah i could see that uh let's see oh lois lane number one by greg rucka and mike perkins so i didn't know this was coming until what the um superman leviathan rising one shot yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it had a little bit of Lois Lane, and then there was also a little bit of Jimmy Olsen. A little bit of James Olsen. And uh, I was very excited to hear that Greg Rucka would be writing a Lois Lane book. It's a 12-issue maxi-series, as they say. And uh, this felt... I liked it. I like Lois Lane. Um, I wasn't sure if she would be able to handle an ongoing, but thankfully it's only 12 issues. And Greg Rucka seems a perfect choice for this. Not a lot happens other than she takes on the uh, press secretary in the White yeah. House, right? What's gets gets booted, gets her press credentials uh, redacted. And there's also a another reporter in Russia who was following certain leads and has wound up, quote unquote, committing suicide. So Lois, of course, thinks that there was foul play involved. And she actually sends the question, which is kind of, I love that the question's in this book. Well, the question, Brene Montoya, yeah. not Vic Sage, who's been in the Superman books. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, which is what I've been saying. I was like, oh, I like that the question's back, but I kind of liked Renee Montoya as the question, so uh, I'm excited to see her. Uh-huh. And, um... Is this her first New 52 appearance? As far as I know, yeah. Rebirth, at least. Yeah, since Rebirth. Uh, yeah. I don't think we saw her in New 52. Maybe not, no. Yeah. So, um... So. All in all, I think this is a pretty solid first issue. I like reading Greg Rucka's characters. Uh, I enjoyed everything that happened in here. And it, it pulls very heavily from the current political climate, mm-hmm. I would say. What did you guys think? Uh, Mike, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 the, I might say something controversial here, but um, there is no <laughs> other... There's no other writer in comics that can write women like Greg Land, or I'm sorry, like like Greg <laughs> that Land. was controversial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Greg Land. Even Greg, Greg Land would disagree with you. He's not. He's not about copying that. I, I mean, honestly, I think um, I, nothing against any women writers, male writers, whatever. But um, there's something about the way um, Greg Rucka writes his women characters, and they're just very compelling. They're they're clever, but not over like it's they're normal characters they're not like uh like uh uh i don't know like a a wasp like the wasp girl or Mm -hmm. or uh moon girl or squirrel girl or whatever like whatever the 12 like genius uh female characters that are being written like right now it's more like just a, a a strong character who has her own faults who is often very, very faulted, usually, um, and um, but able to use her wits and her smarts and her charm and and everything in order to kind of like get through, get into into terrible situations and 
barely get out of them, basically. And I, I just think that this is uh, this is just another proof that that I mean, this is my favorite book of the week. I think. Yeah, um, I think I just, it was great. Just the, the, his handling of. Lois Lane as a character, um, she can easily be done in like the comical kind of Margot Kidder way, and I I think that at times he he kind of channels that a little bit. Oh, for um, sure, with the spelling, with the, uh, yeah, with the spelling stuff and and some of the Perry uh, White interactions, but still, um, she's determined she'll jump right into a fight without even caring like how dangerous it is. Um, and I liked the interaction between her and Clark where they're in the shower, and um, he's she's like he's kind of suspicious that she's about to go in and do something. Um, but he, he knows that she's almost just as tough as he is, maybe even mm -hmm. tougher and trusts her that she's going to be okay. Or if she needs help, he's going to be there, you know? And it, it's just kind of that, the, that whole interlude in between the middle was kind of nice. And plus they're playing on, on the whole Bendis thing where, um, somebody caught her kissing, had a photo of her kissing Superman mm -hmm. and now Clark looks like a big schlub um, because she's married and people are calling her like a trollop and a, you know, and, a, and all this stuff because she's not. Uh, yeah, that is actually, that's, um, that's a part of the book that I really, I really enjoyed. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're handling consequences, but I, I I'm really just going to echo you guys. Like um, Greg Rucka is handling this like he would a creator owned series. Mm -hmm. which is perfect. Well, I, actually, I was thinking while you guys were talking, I was like, this almost feels like a Lois Lane through the lens of almost a... Um, uh, um, Jessica Jones? No. Well, no, I was thinking Vertigo, like a Vertigo book. If they were going to do yeah. a Vertigo Lois Lane I mean, book. you mean Black Label? I mean Black Lois Label, Lane? yes. Thank you for yeah. correcting me. <laughs> um, yeah, this feels, this, this feels very much in tone with... So, like, I've, I've read and listened to a bunch of interviews with Greg Rucka and... His his he has this like very fun fascination with with um, procedurals and PIs and and mm -hmm. like the the noir, the gumshoe of the noir like like um, detectives and watching the detectives do the work, yeah. not just the the romanticism of being a detective and a gumshoe. Like he he's almost fascinated with the minutia of it mm -hmm. in a very Research. very entertaining and fascinating way, and he's applying that to arguably the most popular and award-winning investigative journalist in the dc universe mm -hmm. she's and he's the barbara treating her... walters of the dc <laughs> fuck, fuck you she's the <laughs> she's the she's the uh the the woodrow and the the, the woodruff right woodrow she no she even um or, well, oh, woodward, woodward yeah full woodward yeah she is she is the investigative journalist yeah full integrity nothing else and but, i gotta you know to take this character and have it attack modern issues that are coming out of the White House is so perfect. Mm -hmm. It feels appropriate. Uh, it feels that made it feel kind of timely. That, I mean, that made it feel like it's going to be – that is the only part that made it feel like it's it makes it dated mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, like, it, it, yeah, it's timely like right now. But in a year, is, that, is this going to be the story? I hope so. Is, is this going to make – is this going to make this feel like – um, well, an antique. I mean, this kind of this was arguably right. written three to three to five months ago, three three to six months ago. Because yeah. he's always he he writes ahead, and this was kind of planned out in advance, and then they got picked up for twelve twelve issues. Um, I I assume he was hoping it wouldn't still be an issue when see, he wrote this. I don't think, and I see what you're saying, Mark, and I I, I want to agree with you, but I also think that um, it's not. 
something that's going to go away um, Internment very camps. soon. Yeah. And no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this. This is the headline right now, and I get that. And I get that there'll probably be those things in a year. I'm saying, is it going to be the front front page news or like most press, is it going to be, you know, it's the it thing now it's going to people are the, the headlines are going to turn to something else. The alien invasion, no. the discovery of Bigfoot, the uh, you know, I don't know, Atlantis think- will rise from the sea, something like that. I'm talking about real world stuff, not comic book stuff. But um, no, but what I'm saying is um, this this could it doesn't feel too tied into current events so much so that if someone were to pick this up in 10 years, they would be like, wait, what? I don't, you know, I, th- I feel like the story is constructed in such a way that's taking place within the confines of the DC universe. And she's dealing with these things in the White House. But I don't think those are going to be uh, uh, roadblocks for future readers. You know what I mean? I don't think it, it's not like a music reference where it's like, ah, geez, Ace of Base. You know what I mean? But it's, <laughs> it's something that's happening to the characters in the universe. It's not 9-11. Like when Marvel yeah. did their 9-11 issue, that's clearly about that thing and it's tied directly to uh, reality. Whereas this it, this could just very well be a Greg Rucka story that happens to deal yeah. with those things that yeah, are this, coinciding it's with not reality. The, that, well, what I like about this issue is that it's not it's not the prevalent thing. The, 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 the theme of the book and the, the mystery of the book is that it is um, – there's a – her colleague was murdered um, – yeah. And she's investigating. She's going in into that. That yeah. that's the start of a mystery. Um, all this other stuff. Yeah, you're right. It's window dressing. And I get I get it that it, it is addressing things that are in the moment right now. But I, I it, it's just I don't know. Whenever whenever it start, it's like whenever uh, like comics get into too much into the real world stuff. It just kind of it takes me out of it. And makes me realize that like. I, I think a lot of people are just kind of so intense and so too close to the politics of everything that they they aren't able to get a an objective view, and so it feels like just a a, a non objective kind of um, way of seeing things. Rather than say, if someone would do a nine eleven story now, I think people would be a lot less um, like like Precious. they'd be able to look at it with a. Well, yeah, I mean, they'd be able to look at it with a little bit more of a a critical kind of like not as much of an emotional way of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just my opinion about like just politics and comics. But um, I agree with you. And for that very same reason, I think that this kind of plot point would be evergreen because it's like the way that she lays it out. It's laid out in a very matter of fact of the administration uh, is caught doing x y and z it's 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 ushered in a little earlier in the story when she's talking with perry about getting it sourced and it's just laid out there and the whole point of the scene was to well to get attention like she did it in public and not just printed it for, yeah yeah so i think in the context of the in the context of the scene i think it other than people's knee-jerk reaction thinking that it's overtly political in the context of the scene divorced of that it still works yeah that thank yeah. you That's, yeah yeah the um, uh the cover is amazing and i love the way they um instead of smoke around the fire coming from the thing forming the question those are smudged fingerprints that's kind of interest that's kind of a very interesting way of that oh yeah Do you see that inking, really... yeah it's like white out yeah. but using uh, fingerprints 
as an uh, applicator. And uh, you had mentioned earlier, I, I absolutely did love the scene of uh, Clark and Lois walking down the, sh- the street getting coffee right next to um, – in Chicago. Like, it's clearly Chicago. And yeah. he can overhear all the shitty things that they're saying about Lois because she was caught kissing Superman. Slut. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that he can't respond, it's literally one panel. It's just great. Yeah. Um, I think I really like 98% of the artwork in this book. But, for instance, that particular panel yeah. of Clark, some of the faces are a little melty. Um, uh, an inking yeah. Issue. Yeah. I don't think all of the faces are quite where they need to be. But Who's the artist here? Perkins. Mike Perkins. Okay. Is he inking himself too, or is there another inker with us? Let's see. I'm turning. It's DC. There are 17 inkers. <laughs> You're right. It always is. No, it On looks time. like it's just art. <laughs> no, it's just Paul Mounts and Mike Perkins. Paul Mounts is the colors. So. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe a little bit of a more distinctive uh, line would mm-hmm. be good. It, it is a little smudgy at times. Yeah. But um, they got what's her name's uh, kind of like walleye, right? <laughs> her, oh god uh, that's um it, you know uh, uh huckabee sanders you're talking about yeah. yeah yeah huckabee whatever her name is huckabee is that her name sarah huckabee yeah. sanders yeah yeah. So, yeah no longer the press secretary yeah yeah um, but they her eyes are it's i mean no one can uh deny that that's not who they're trying to <laughs> for sure yeah sure um, um but I think yeah the, the i mean one, it's okay the one thing um you know going back to the real world um, references. I think the only thing that made me sad about it was this time by other members of the press corps who continued Lane's line of inquiry, resulting in McCarthy calling a premature end of the briefing. All of the other, so Lois Lane keeps asking questions about the detention centers and who is profiting off of them, at which, you know, to which the uh, press secretary just tries not to. Tries to skirt, right? Tries to skirt the answer. Mm-hmm. And then eventually kicks Lois Lane out of the press briefing mm-hmm. and, you know, takes away her credentials. And the all of the rest of the press core, uh, core keep following up on it. And it made me sad. Because that doesn't really happen. That's not what really days. happens. So um, that's the only thing, I, well, the only problem I had with like the current political um, most of references. The, well, the, uh, well, I mean, yes and no. So like. Uh, in the real world, a lot of the press corps was following up on mm-hmm. on contentious questions, and then they started. They tried to kick people out. They couldn't. Mm-hmm. Now they stopped having. They just they stopped, just having, stopped having them at all. They together. don't have yeah. press briefings anymore. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. I think it would have been uh, if just yeah, and just to have her walk off. And I mean, it, I I kind of wanted to see that scene. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just didn't have enough, like the last couple of pages. Um, but it would have been nice a to nice see all the other hands going up with, like the yeah, yeah. It would have been nice rather than being told of this, um, yeah. just to have it intercut that scene intercut with her walking out and them taking the press pass and her walking out of the whole thing. Um, do you guys find it weird that no comics um, actually even puts Trump in there or even mentions that he's a president? Well, DC's never done. I don't think DC has ever done a real world president. Right. Yeah, well, they're, at least, they're doing at least Sarah in modern. Oh, well, yeah, but that's that's a caricature. That's and it's not and her they, name. And it's they're not her name. Like... So they've never done, they've never done a real world. Uh, a one to one. One to one. Marvel has. Pretty sure. Oh, maybe it was Marvel. It was, Marvel was has definitely Todd done Knock Barack Obama. They did Obama playing basketball. It was a Todd Knock 
Marvel definitely has. So Marvel has done it explicitly in the Marvel universe and then in or sorry, in the Ultimate Universe and then in 616 they usually like kind of work around it so like it's, it's out clearly face, obama in yeah. i like in silhouette yeah and i think yeah. they if not recently in the last in the last two years they have done it with trump i just don't remember where it might have been it might have been either in secret invade secret invasion mm-hmm. secret empire might have been in secret empire yeah and or civil war two yeah it's where they it's did have like a meeting with yeah, the president and yeah, it was I, I mean, you, you've got, uh, you know, there's that famous uh, Alex Ross painting of Obama opening his shirt, and it was uh, yeah. it has a big O on the middle of it, like a Superman logo, um, and stuff like that. And then, like, you know, there's they won't even. It, it just does not seem like they would even put him in there, or 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 like put him on the page, or or do a story about the president in trouble. There's always like a Superman story about the president is calling. You know, he needs. Yeah. You know the the fucking Grand Canyon is sealing up or whatever the hell. Um, well, they've even it, done things directly with uh, Captain America as well, where Captain America had to deal with Nixon. Yeah, and he, he yeah, stopped being Captain was, America because of Nixon. Yeah, and then there was uh, um, like the F, there was an FDR one as well. I think there, mm. a couple of and actually um, there's a book that we were thinking of covering this week, and then we decided not to. But it's got uh, I believe it's Roosevelt that they have. Um, FDR is in it, and uh, Captain America is is uh, on invaders. assignment invaders. with FBR. Yeah, in the Invaders. So, so yeah, I just think it's just weird that they they can't even they, they can't even put him like in something or or in it or I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, maybe there's yeah, no one no tweets. I guess yeah, that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. I guess you can't even acknowledge who president <laughs> who a president is, but whatever. Um, okay. All right, so Sea of Stars number one by Jason Aaron and Dennis Hallam with art by Stephen Green and uh, colors by Rico Renzi. I was very excited about this because I love me some Jason Aaron. And um, this was fine. Uh, it's a, I guess it's supposed to be all ages, which I didn't really, I don't think it reads like an all ages. I wonder if I'm wrong about that. It doesn't feel like all ages to me. But it's basically a kid and his dad are these space truckers. And then in true Jason Aaron form, uh, giant space sharks, uh, amphibious space mammals. He's start got, he's uh, got a wrecking shit up. He's got a space shark fetish. And I, I don't I don't disagree. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, the kid gets attacked. The kid and his father get attacked by this uh, giant space creature. And he his suit gets busted open, but he's not dying. So clearly something different is and going on his, with this kid. His father appears to be eaten up by the giant space whale shark thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a cute book. And actually I didn't like it up until the last two pages. I was like, it just felt inconsequential and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, this is cute. I guess this is cool. This is fine. I was not emotionally connected fine. to anybody. Yeah, it was just yeah. fine. And then when it's revealed, spoiler, that. The father is actually still alive, mm-hmm. and now the thrust of the story is him trying to find his Nemo. son in the vastness of space. I was yeah. just like, okay, that's that's actually a driver because I was that like, we great. we we know that we know right off the bat that the mother has been as is dead, yeah, or gone, is she? left. She's gone. She's just she's, she's not in the picture whatsoever, and the boy doesn't necessarily want to be there. 
this the father keeps trying and as soon as they showed the father getting apparently eaten by this animal i was just like i'm not interested in mm-hmm. ripping away uh, creating an orphan and then like the adventures that this orphan's going to have in space like that's yeah. not really a story that i was, i cared about reading at the moment and then yeah, when they the, revealed the that animals were just kind of like uh well, like the animals were okay. Uh, they were a little funny. I like the term "space farts." I'm down with that, and I want to. I want to introduce that into my normal daily speech. But, but it wasn't really a story I was interested in in reading. But did then, you guys know that in space nobody can hear you fart? Space farts, though. star farts can can be heard. <laughs> yeah, that's star it. farts. When they like, I was, I was, I was a little back on the hook at the end it didn't blow me away but i think it's enough to give it a second issue flatulence is futile yeah i would say i agree i think this last page uh where we've got the point of view of the dad and there are a bunch of creatures coming at him and he says just stay alive out there caden one way or the other dad's still coming um is a good cliffhanger for the issue but i also agree that i didn't really care um and i'm not sure i care yet now it's Jason Aaron, so I'm probably going to give issue two a try because it's Jason Aaron. And usually if I stick with his stuff, I am rewarded. Uh, if this was anybody else, I may have just been like, oh, OK, well, uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll check back in if anyone tells me it's good. But well, yeah, let's also let's not let's not discredit Dennis Hallam, uh, formerly hopeless, who has oh. done so much good shit that you didn't think about. Like, um, I still I still, to this day, am glad that I gave Avengers Academy a shot. That was so good. Battle Royale so good. in the Marvel Universe. Uh, yeah. Um, so what, so he gave his uh, his name. I think so. Yeah, the last couple of things, especially his last couple of Marvel things, which was one of the tie-ins for for War of the Realms. War of the Realms. It was Dennis parentheses or you know quotes hopeless Hallam. Hallam. So I think he's trying to revert back that's, to his his uh, name think, as opposed to Ben. I think that's a mistake. Me too. Know. Hopeless is great. Hopeless but is a great he's name. Been, he's been writing as Dennis Hopeless for too long, and now it's like, what is he? Well, I, to... I, I don't know the whole story, but I'm assuming if he wants maybe different mediums, writing in different mediums and pulling an audience back and forth, is he a novelist also? Yeah, but why would you change your name then? I don't know. Maybe he was always Hollum, and then just for this, he was hopeless and wants to cross-reference audiences. I hate it. Because I'll tell you why I didn't. I saw Dennis Hallam and I went, "Oh, okay. I guess Jason I, look, Aaron." Got, maybe I'm like, talking out of my ass. Let I me... thought it was the artist. Yeah, I, I definitely thought it now, was. Now Stephen like the Green artist. is the artist. Um, yeah. But yeah, I saw Dennis Hallam and I didn't know that that was hopeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, I I write as M. L. Miller, and I've run into problems. It's like I have no nowhere near anything even close to any of the the notoriety that Dennis Hopeless has, has had, but. Um, there's a, there has been, uh, like, just to make a distinction between my name and some other people named Mark Miller and Millar and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, it's uh, it's a it's a tricky thing to do. But I think that if you do it early, like I did, I, I you know, hopefully if if something happens or if if uh, you know anything else, I I write some more stuff, it, it'll make a distinct sort of thing. But I I think that as far into his career as Dennis Hopeless or Hallam is, um, you would think he would want to keep that, yeah, you know, that recognition. Uh, recognition. Yeah. yeah. Unless he wants to just start a new phase in his, uh, thing, but I I'm looking, I'm looking at least, I think it's too early because I mean, you look at, uh, the rock. Um, I just watched a uh, walking tall. Um, and <laughs> at the beginning it says starring the rock. It doesn't even say Dennis or what's his, what's his name? 
Oh, uh, the rock's the rock's name is Dennis Hopeless. Did yeah. You know well, no. And then like it goes like uh, then for a while there he was Dwayne the Rock Johnson and now he's just Dwayne Johnson. But that was over like a span of like I think five years. Right. And it's just yeah, uh, this seems. A little I was looking on his Wikipedia page. There's no reasoning giving given. It's just Hallam searches directly to Hopeless and then it just says in pro, yeah. uh, quotations. Well, fuck it. Whatever he wants. Yeah. It's his name. I can do it, yeah, you can do it every once. But yeah. I, I think, as far as like in this in the comics biz, I think name recognition is is maybe extreme. it's a legal reason. Oh, that's true. Didn't even yeah. think of that. Now, um, Mark, what did you think of this issue? Uh, I I liked it. I think I liked it a little bit more than than you two. Um, I liked the the mystery they sort of set up. Are the kids okay? Even though uh, kids this age, this kind of like post toddler age i don't know how old is this kid nine eight nine this I mean, post-toddler age <laughs> we're all post-toddler post pre-teen <laughs> the, the wiggle room in the middle post-toddler um that sort of thing but um you know they're cute but they're more cute if you know them and are related to them rather than just like kind of look at them and just like as is and just i don't know maybe it's just the way i look at kids but um it's it, it just feels like He's not the kid is okay. He's kind of scampy because he he says his dad tells him not to get into the shit, into the stuff. And so he just wanders in, puts on a spacesuit, and then just kind of wanders around and touches stuff. What I really loved <laughs> is the fact that this is a flying museum and it looks as if the space shark was attracted to the to the spaceship, the giant one because the other space shark was in there. I didn't make that connection at all, but you 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 potentially are correct. Hmm. You know, and, and it seems like there are a couple of other items that are in there that that look mystic and and stuff like that. So that it's kind of fun. It's like it it, it reminds me of like a night at the museum sort of thing in space, almost. Hmm. <laughs> you know, just where there are these like kind of relics in this thing, and they all there's an adventure inside of this like museum. Yeah. The what was it? The that I I didn't even register space didn't even re- really register the kid having wild abilities that probably have to do with this stuff that he touched didn't even register or because of what his mom maybe his mom is an alien maybe they referenced yeah. this alien race that's been extinct for ever like five or six times but then also yeah. i i don't know it's just the it was a different story i think that i thought they were telling until the very end and that's really the only thing that hooked me if that didn't happen then I don't know if I'd go on. And that's just Finding Nemo. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. a the you know there's no new kid. stories, man. Yeah. Man versus there's man, very, man versus it, himself, it, man versus nature. There's a little bit of all of it. There's very much of a, a all ages vibe to this story, which I don't mind. Um, it just depends on how they balance that. If they if they equally focus on the kids' kind of wonder of being able to to swim in space and the dad's kind of angst in finding him, I think that that could be uh, it could make for a winner of a story but um it's it's that balance that i think is going to be whether or not this is good or not i think it's all ages in a in a goonies and gremlins kind of way where it's still adultish yes but it's focused around very first a kid very first word bubble has the word crapping in it in it yeah yeah Yeah. well he uh, jason aaron is basically he's he's sort of made a living of doing these kind of like gruff kind of i mean maybe not uh the jane foster stuff but um these kind of gruff like middle-aged kind of dudes that are uh, they've seen better days they're almost like uh, some sort of southern bastard 
yeah, Southern Bastards, his Thor stuff is like definitely a more mature Thor that's that's you know battle weary, um, and uh, and this stuff is uh, this is just you know if it focuses on the dad trying to get through this sea of monsters of dark monsters, I just thought this last page was a really a really good page where you could only sort of see the monsters; they're mm-hmm. most shadow, um, and yet it's definitely ominous, uh, um, and it's a it's a just a really scary image um, yeah. of like this guy's alone in space with basically a spear and uh and just trying to uh uh, make his way across the vast void of space so it's it's kind of cool yeah i think that's the only time i felt any emotional connection to the story was like looking at that and being like oh shit i didn't think it was going to be through the father too which Mm -hmm. was a nice little swerve i thought it was going to be they're going to ingratiate us to this little kid and his adventures and yay whatever like middle west but yeah this is like over the top in space yeah, he's a space trucker. Yeah, he's, he's got to go get his kid back. Do you th- I mean, back. I will. Maybe the, maybe I will the space contend. Shark is the kid's uh, rich stepfather. Stepfather. I will yep. contend if at any point he turns his hat backwards. Yeah, right before he starts to fight one of these monsters to go over the space. top. Arm wrestle each of these uh, space beasts all the way down there. He's yeah. gonna arm. I mean, you know what? I'm in now. Yeah, I want to read this. I mean, That's now fun. it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. it is. All right, Superman Up in the Sky, number one by Tom King and Andy Kubert. The deal with these Johnskis is that they DC printed some comics that were specifically for selling at Walmart. They were like called ninety page giants or hundred page giants or some some stuff, some stuff. And um, finally, they decided, oh, I guess maybe we should send it to comic book stores too. And that's <laughs> what these are. These are issue forms of here's what happened in the Superman part of that comic book. And then next week, I believe, there's a Batman one coming out as well. Yeah, the only thing that makes these kind of cool is that for those for those exclusive Walmart books, they put, you know, A-list teams on these characters. Yeah. So this is Tom King and Adam Kubert doing Superman, which neither of them, well, I, I think Adam Kubert has before, but Tom King has not. Yeah. I refuse Superman. to go into Walmart. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, it was... Reader. They scare me. I'm naive. It was a way to try and get new readers. Yeah, yeah. I, it didn't bother which me. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, and I and when they first announced it, they did say that it was only going to be for Walmart. Yeah. Um, so I just figured I would never read these. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think I guess it was only like a year long exclusive at Walmart, instant. So see. now they're they're re- soliciting them for specialty stores. Okay, but either so, way, this is the first two chapters. They were if, all twelve issue. They were all twelve chaptered stories, which is about six oh, issues. Thank you. Okay. Sorry, Mark. What? If DC or Marvel want to go into that market again, the smartest thing to do, and, and I'm not saying to take it away out of the comic book stores, but I think the smartest thing to do would be to send along a spinner rack with the shipment for each of those stores. Just to kind of for nostalgia's sake for the spinner bags. Spinner I agree. Rack. I went specifically to Walmart to look for these books because that's the type of person I am. And I had trouble finding them. I asked people, I asked the Walmart people where I'm looking for these DC comics that are exclusive for Walmart. And they're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I finally just, you know, there's a section that has Magic the Gathering cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, mm-hmm. stuff like that. They just kind of toss a bunch of nerdy shit in this little aisle. And yeah. they just had a little tiny display that sat on a shelf that had some issues in it, and they were all bent out of shape and weren't looking so good. And had um, on them, and you know, what's that? 
had ice cream and, and it wasn't ice cream chocolate and you know, yeah just, it was not no. not a great display so i agree i think a spinner rack would be dope but i mean they should do that to to regular comic stores too mm-hmm. you know they I have all one. this money send out a, a spinner rack yeah i had to buy yeah. one it was like 300 dollars. is it really oh yeah. god yeah it's beautiful though and I got the small one. Mine's like the Hey Kids comics version. There's one that yeah. has like two more tiers to it that's like more adult size. But I was like, oh, I want that for just my kids' comics. Anyway, Tom King, Gadam Kubert. I've been I've been picking big old dumpies on Tom King over on Batman. I don't like them. Uh, should I read this one? Uh, I thought this was delightful. So it's um it's a very simple, uh, quote-unquote simple story, Superman. Uh, Batman asks Superman to look into something for him. Uh he wants him to go talk to a little girl because her family was murdered and her sister was kidnapped. Um, Batman is not the kind of guy that can visit a small toddler or a small young girl in the in the like a post toddler. Post toddler. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that the little girl talks, I'm guessing she's six, maybe seven years old. Sure. Um, he's not the kind of guy that would like get information out of a a, a small child, um, but Superman is. So he asks Superman to, to talk for him. Uh, this he little girl care. gets to him. Yeah, he, he interrogates her really rough. Like, it's actually, it's very out of character. Um, he no, plays... 20 pages of torture. 20 pages of... <laughs> Pulling um, out fingernails. Of bad cop, bad cop. Krypton style. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, um, the, the little girl does get to him. Like, she tells him the story and the way that she does. The, the voice that Tom King gives her is actually really contagious. Um, so the rest of the issue is... Superman going about his daily life, but passively inquiring. So he asks Green Lantern to look into something for him. He asks this person to look into something for him. He's slowly kind of doing his investigative journalist thing through the prism of of a super heroic acts until the point where it gets to his investigation might take him off world. Hmm. So him and Pa Kent have this really great conversation about essentially the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few. And he eventually decides, I can't, you know, you can't let that little voice go. It's kind of the whole reason. Uh, and especially while he's trying to decide, the little girl dies because oh. she was in the hospital. Oh, no. So now it's just like he has to try and find the girl that was taken to kind of amend for that. It was actually a really fun. St- it was not fun. It was an awful, awful things that happened. But it was actually a really well put together story and characters talk to each other. Yeah. Which was nice. I had fun with it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, there's a, uh, uh, but there's also the scene where the kid puts the cape on and jumps off the building. Oh yeah, that was wild. And dies. What? Yeah. So it's uh, it's no, kind he of die. he's in the he's in the hospital. Oh. No, they talk about the boy like he died. No, so... there he is. Show him later on, uh, and he's he's all beaten up. He's in the hospital. He's got tubes in him and everything. Uh, it's just a couple pages after the first that he jumps yeah. off the, the building. He's in a hospital bed, yeah. She's in a hospital bed, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, they um I you know what I completely forgot about this, but in the context of the story it was it was essentially showing even passively he is a potential danger, or at least he considers himself a potential danger. Like you inspire but how like a way to weaponize inspiration in, in a weird way, or at least internalize that. He tells uh, Diana, he's quitting and stuff. It, this it, this is all kind of like in a weird flashback, or it's a dream he's having. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's oh, all this, I mean, there's a lot of Superman interacting with kids, or just 
just uh, Superman being affected by a, a child, um, some type of tragedy or some type of uh, thing going on here. It's I don't know. It, I I don't want to say this is a bad story or a, a great story, but I, I'm I'm interested. I it's definitely a lot more engaging than it is Batman stuff right now. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I think that um, it's dealing with these kind of things that like. If you are this all-powerful, it's kind of trying to do the uh, the uh, um, Zack Snyder thing where what's, what would Superman really be like in this world? What would it inspire? What would it um, what would it kind of would it insp- it would inspire fear through some people. It would inspire um, just misguided intentions through some people. And also like it as well as inspiring hope, it would also ins- like a kid who doesn't know better would just tie a, a Superman cape around his, his uh, neck and then jump off the roof. Yeah. And um, he can't be there to catch every kid that does that. Yeah. The, the way that they reveal that too, I, like I completely forgot until you mentioned it. It's he submits himself to a supercomputer. So like they, uh, part of the investigation takes him to Zeta Ray tech, Zeta beam technology, which is Adam strange and yeah. ran. Um, and they don't have the capabilities to track Zeta beams because it's too much information. Like their supercomputers are essentially like destru- self destructing themselves because it's too much information. They're like, screw it. And Superman is just like, um, hook me up. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. So the next bit of issue is these past experiences he has, memories, and then the memories start to shape into how he's taking in all the data and what his next lead is. And it turns into a little girl talking to him on a bench. So it's like a dream sequence, but his, it's his mind sparsing through all the data. This is cooler. Like it's talking about this. I like it even more. It's Neo talking to the grandmother in. in Yeah. Yeah. Talking to the Oracle. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to the Oracle. Um, But yeah, I forgot about that part where it's basically the Zeta beam, basically the Zeta scientist or the, um, the Ron scientist goes, well, you know, goodbye, Superman, you're going to die. This, no one's ever succeeded in like, even the like brainiest and the strongest of people um, that we've tried to put this, hook this computer to has uh, basically just either gone crazy or died immediately. And there's no way you're going to survive it. And then Superman goes, well, all right, I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, for the girl. And he gets it, hooked up to it. It's, it's, I like this issue a lot. That's interesting that the Zeta Beam not being traceable well, came up again. Because I like, just read that in another issue this week. They go into a thing about it being like a counterfeit Zeta Beam. It's like, um, uh, it's like not official. It's just the same technology. So they, he was, um, he, he asked, like, it, it's, it's not possible that you don't know how to track it. He's like, oh, we know how to track it, but it's, more data than you know I capable see. of perceiving so being able to like you know pinpoint this one yeah. little thing is impossible i just thought it was neat because it came i, I want to say i'm maybe it was grant morrison's green lantern that i'm catching up on i feel like it came up somewhere this week that i just That's read potentially it because yeah. it was adam strange was in it like two or yeah. three issues ago i actually am two issues behind but okay so i will check this out uh i didn't know what i would oh i oh real quick side note the art's real nice oh yeah yeah I think the Andy uh, Kubert stuff looks great. How many issues is this? What? It's going to be six. Oh, okay. Six. Okay. It was 12 chapters initially, and, and I think, you know, in, like, text on top, when it hits into chapter two, it tells you. So, like, this, this issue, this 499 issue is actually two chapters. Yeah, part two is when he gets to Ran. Okay. Yeah. 
Walking Dead number 193, the final issue of The Walking Dead by Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adlard. The neat thing that happened this week is that uh, even retailers such as myself had no idea that he would be dropping the very last issue of the series this week. Um, I got my stack of books that I ordered for my subscribers, plus one for the shelf, because that's what I usually get for Walking Dead, because no one buys that extra copy. I just feel compelled to buy one for the shelf. And uh, I was it was double thick. I was like, wow, it's like a perfect bound, double thick yeah, issue. Like I wonder. format, it's nice. Yeah, why is it so big? That's neat. I wonder, wonder what happens, because the big thing already happened. Rick Grimes is dead, spoiler alert. And... Um, Lo and behold, this is the last issue, um, which he tells you after you finish the issue. There's like a three-page little note to the reader. And I thought this was pretty good. I gave up on The Walking Dead. I used to love The Walking Dead. I mm -hmm. read the comics. I watched the TV show. I was all about it. I thought it was great. And it was nice to see a very small, independent zombie book grow to be as big as it did. And, and it's, it's a huge, it's a household name. Everyone knows The Walking Dead. And I thought it was very cool. But after a while, the repetitive nature of both the television show and the comic book made me sort of just fall off gradually. Mm -hmm. And I haven't read an issue since, I don't even know, like uh, yeah, the last 60 issues I don't think I've read. So luckily, we were able to read the last four issues, and I was able to catch up ever so slightly. And the, this particular issue is a flash forward after Rick Grimes died last issue and was buried, uh, became a zombie. His own son had to shoot his zombie corpse uh, to knock it down. And now, how, how, would you, how long would you say? I think it's been 20 about 25 years. years. 25 years. Um, well, maybe Carl 20. is now a grown man with a beard and a wife and a, and a little girl. And things are very different than they were even last issue, I would say. We have yeah. found civilization again. We've rebuilt civilization. And In a sense, absolutely. So much so that the biggest threat of the series, the zombies, are now relegated to sideshows. And there's a character who goes around, kind of old-timey, western-type sideshow. Well, it's Maggie and Glenn's son. Thank you. Herschel. That's the problem I had with uh, catching up on this, is I was like, wait. Well, this, you know what? That's the problem I had with this series... 60 issues ago. Mm -hmm. There were so many characters and I was unable to keep them all straight in my head because a bunch of them I didn't really care about. Um, yeah, it's the um, the initial like the initial shock of of dispatching with a, a character is effective. But after a while, it's just like anything else. It's repetitive. Like yeah. you, I actually kind of fell off in the 140s somewhere, mm -hmm. I think. And it was just the repetitive nature of the story. Like, if, if the story itself, the purpose of it was to wander with, you know, with the intent, like, to show you that either humanity is worth fighting for and or always disappoints you, I'm still not sure which side of the fence this series falls on. Mm -hmm. But it was just, it was very, it was very redundant yeah. over and over again. And I was, I just, I got a little tired. Yeah. I got tired with the show faster. Yeah. Yeah, much faster. Um, it feels a little bit like... Um Gosh, what were those books? Uh, one of those stories where it's like um, a lone wolf and cub. Yeah. Lone wolf and cub. He's a, he's a samurai with a kid. And they go into a town. They fight a bad guy. They go to the next town. And that, that can only last so long uh, for Co me. Hmm? 
Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't like stories without endings, and this always felt like a story that was going nowhere, yeah. or it wasn't clear where it was going. And I just, I, you know, you have patience for that for a hundred, hundred plus issues, mm. months, a hundred plus months yeah. that you invest into the story, and then if it feels like it's never going anywhere, and and you can make the argument about superhero comics, but th- they are intentionally always in the second act. Yeah, always. This was never like that. This was always supposed to be, or this was. This always felt like a consequential soap opera. Mm-hmm. But after a while, there's. It's you know, if your birthday's every day, it's not special. If if you're only ever showing tragedy, then it it just becomes rote. Yeah. Which actually was the point of this issue. But the other way, like if you only ever know the trials themselves or the or the problems, and you never lived them, and it's all novelty now. It's it loses its weight. It loses its importance. Which which was great. I thought this was really good. Yeah. No. I I had an emotional reaction to this last issue. Uh, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. There were certain things that like I didn't know whose kid that was who was walking around with the uh, the zombies and stuff. But um, I I did like catching up and uh, finishing off. I, even still. I don't feel compelled to go reread to go finish those other sixty or forty issues that I mm-hmm. haven't read. I, I'm not going to go back and reread those, as opposed to his Invincible series that I do want to go back and actually finish. Oh, yeah. yeah, Mark. Hmm. Did you Did you read it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was just waiting for you. For, I'm sorry. You. No, that's okay. Um, no, I. Um, I think we could probably do an entire episode on this this uh, this book and this series and and uh, Kirkman's kind of intentions with this whole thing mm-hmm. I, I as much as um, I enjoy a good zombie story and you know gory bits and people being eaten brains being eaten and torn people getting po- torn apart and stuff like that um, zombie movies in particular are very like allegorical and very uh, metaphorical as far as um, the time that it, it happened um, and I think that the walking dead happened at a time in our history that um it was it was all about a catastrophic incident and the ramifications after it um and i think it, it's always been a, a 9-11 kind of um allegory um especially the the tv show um but i i definitely think it, it carried over into this and i think that this issue kind of sums it up pretty really well in that um not only it does it show that just it's come full circle with Carl as far as like his journey from issue one and to, to here, mm-hmm. uh, but also um, it was I was I left this really sad because um, it uh, it really feels like Kirkman's kind of jaded view of the world that we live in today um, about how that there was this big tragedy back then and that it was a point where people were kind of shattered and America was definitely tested and people uh, went in their own kind of um, like you immediately went to family or you immediately tried to find your loved ones or you immediately tried to call your loved ones or just connect with them in order to kind of get through the terrible stuff that was happening. Um, And that kind of it was reflected in a lot of the stuff that happened in, in both the TV show and this series. Um, but then it just went on about how these new connections forged after this, this problem. And then eventually these other kind of forces grew within the survivors that were even more threatening than the, uh, 
the people, uh, the the dead themselves. And that was always the thing. It wasn't the zombies were always kind of in the background yeah. and they weren't that much of a, a threat to us. But um, in this issue, they've gotten to the point where um, which is where George Romero wanted to go at this route with one of his stories. But he kind of just went off on these other kind of tangents. Um, but he wanted to make the zombies as if they were like the homeless or the, the mentally, uh, uh, the, uh, like the, the dead. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. sort of like that. He sort of hinted at that in land of the dead, but I think that at the same time, he, uh, I think he really wanted to make it so that we were like, what almost literally walking right over them as they're sitting mm-hmm. on the street mm-hmm. because they're so weak. They're kind of just there, uh, you know, vagrants and the cops would shoo them away to, to move on and uh, stuff like that. So it, it, it got to that point where you just kind of took them for granted. You didn't even think of them as, as a threat anymore, but more of like the novelty that, that, um, is shown in, uh, this, what's his name? Herschel's, uh, yeah. Herschel's little sideshow thing. His sideshow is called the walking dead, by the way. Hmm. Oh, it is. Yeah. On the card, it actually says the walking dead. Pretty awesome. Actually. I love that. Um, but uh, the part that really hit me was when, um, you know, they've got these asshole kids out in front of the thing. They've never seen a zombie in their lives. Um, and they're, they make fun of Carl, call him a pirate. And they're basically skateboarding off of and into and around the uh, statue of Rick Grimes. And they have no appreciation as to the uh, the, the sacrifices yeah. that that um, these guys did to actually give them that world. Um, and I really thought that that was a that was Kirkman just kind of almost wringing his hands with a new generation of 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 whiners. <laughs> well, he doesn't think they're all. Like that, because these are, these are I, one of the kids. Was, I what's that? Of the three kids, one of them does show respect. So Ooh, it's it's kind yeah. of like a it's kind of like a there is a large you know YouTuber, insta famous, uh, very surface level culture that doesn't understand the the severity or the trials of a previous generation or previous generations. But there are some yeah. that do, and I think that was kind of like that scene where it's you know, fuck off, old man, but. The other, the last kid was just like, "I'm sorry, Mr. Grimes. They don't understand." Yeah, you're right, yeah, though. Yeah, but yeah. but it really felt like it's like, why did he choose to include this at the very end of the stage? And the the really poignant, uh, the most poignant uh, thing was um, that uh, that I felt was in almost the entire issue. It really hit me. It was like it'll be another generation before people start really taking this all for granted. Um, mm-hmm. That's what uh, Sarah said. Is it Sarah? I don't remember his wife's name. His wife's name. Um, and it's, and it just really ends it on a note where that's, that's right before the end and right before this story. And I I think it, it did end on this nice little kind of like, uh, uh, you know, storybook ending where, um, really being, um, reflective onto itself and saying that like, this is a story it's coming to an end, but you can go back and you can read it again. If you want to, um, you, all these characters can be experienced again. And, and, uh, it really does, uh, kind of sum up everything. I, I think it was a perfect ending to Mm -hmm. it, to it all. I don't think of, there's not a, there's not another way I could even envision this to end. But, um, I think given some distance from this and me going through and trying to read like an entire omnibus of every issue all the way through and then getting to this ending in 20 years, I think it's, I I think it's going to hit me a lot harder 
than it does now. Yeah, you know what? Like I, I, yeah, we didn't it didn't read the fifty issues prior to the, prior to this, but it still had uh, resonance and it. It spoke to a lot of the problems I was having with the series anyway. Um, a couple things that I want to point out about the storybook ending: um, they paint, not incorrectly, but they paint Rick as um, almost like an avatar for the human spirit. You know, like he persisted traveled and this was like the problem i had with the book the story that they were telling was so redundant because of the persistence of and retelling constantly the rick giving speeches you mean well rick giving speeches go finding a new group trusting the new group in some sort of way being betrayed traveling on finding a new group being betrayed or attacked by another group like it was it was constant it was a constant struggle with these other the other and he yep. just kept persisting, um, begrudgingly so, trying different things each time. Sometimes they were awful fucking things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they were incredibly naive things. And some, most of the times it was just somewhere down the middle. But the way that this paints him or his process was that was the that was the process of healing the country. His just persistence in moving forward, even though he didn't know if there was a forward to move to. Which I thought was really, really interesting. And it spoke to what I was growing incredibly tired of for the series. Wish this happened 50 issues ago. However, maybe it wouldn't be as pertinent 50 issues ago. Right. And then also too, like these, I did really like a lot of these um, little sequences that they have in the storybook version. So like you, you visit people that aren't dead anymore Mm. or yet one of them, including is his father's murderer. Yeah. In a jail well, cell, he still to, he actually goes to Negan. Um, oh no, his father's murderer, the the kid that oh, yeah. shot oh, his that, dad. He's still in prison. Sorry. He's still in prison. Spend the rest yeah. of his and and yeah, he does go to Negan, who has buried Lucille. Yeah, you, Negan you was that? in this. He was. He was, uh, he was in the, the abs- house. The absence of Negan was was there. He goes, he goes to the house, and there's there's uh, he goes to see if Negan is is still alive. And there's no indication whether he's alive or dead, um, <gasps> but basically he is. Uh, um, he's got uh, there's a thing, the grave was out front, and the house was. I think it was empty, or at least there were no lights on. Wow. Yeah, he he leaves every time he goes for a run in this area, or will roundabout make it to this area and drops off supplies. Um, his friend is te- or his his former girlfriend or whoever it is, Sophia. Sophia, thank you, Sophia. Sophia is the wife. That's right. No, um, his partner, who's yeah, an ex. Sophia. The other one is the eyeball liquor. Yeah, yeah. Lydia. <laughs> Lydia. Lydia. Lydia is the yeah. girl, the ex girlfriend. Sophia's the, yeah. the Lydia wife. tells him, "Why do you go there? You know, he's probably dead. The supplies get used. So, so just like his father, he is relentlessly persistent. Yeah, and makes a difference through that." I, I, this I, like is a, I didn't realize I, I I didn't catch that I didn't know what where he was going and who that character was supposed to be, and I saw the name Lucille and I thought it was an actual person, not a baseball bat. Oh, yeah, he uh, buried his bat, and like I knew I know that uh, I have I have one in my shop. I have Lucille the baseball bat um, in my store, but I, for some reason I didn't I just didn't click. So all right, wait, but did you guys not read the story where it was Lucille was actually a human being that Negan knew? I think it was nope. either his daughter, it was his daughter or his wife. That no, he lost. I think I gave up. The, the, I, now that we're talking about so it, so did he I exhumer the, and then get her again? Or? The last that I saw, 
No, he buried the bat, but it was a symbolic gesture of burying his wife or oh, his okay. whoever Lucille was. What was the last thing you said? Oh, the last last time I was reading the book was, uh, I believe Negan was in the prison underneath in the basement, and then Carl would go visit him. Oh, yeah. As a kid. Yeah, that's he got that's out. where I last read. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, like, long after that, it's like he teamed. Like, they yeah. basically gave him a place. They, they exiled him, gave him a place outside of town, told him to kind of go off and do his own thing. Hmm. But then he would pop up. He popped up during the Whisperers sort of thing as yeah, well. Yeah, didn't he, like... Uh, agree to fight the Whisperers, but then ended up aligning with them. Of course. Yeah, yeah, because he's Negan. Yeah, he tried to align with them. He tried to take them over, but then he realized that he couldn't take them over, so he teamed back up with Rick's group, and it was it was a long thing. I do like the mild... Um, so I did not read the entirety of this like eight-page letter at the end, but, but I skimmed it, and I did like the mild troll at the very end. P.S. Negan Lives Yeah. by Kirkman. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought it's, was great. And, you know, he could easily start this up in a couple of years. If he um, wanted to, yeah. Carl and old Michonne with a judge's thing, judge's robe. Herschel with, you know, Herschel with uh, some grudging, begrudged also, uh, Carl. Eugene you know. rebuilding the uh, the rail system. Yeah. Which I thought yeah. was cool. Which one's Eugene? The mullet. Oh, okay. Eugene, yeah, Eugene was the guy that, like, he, I think he goes all the way back to the governor, doesn't the Eugene? Yeah, do well, yeah, yeah, Eugene and Abraham. Yeah. yeah. Like, when yeah. they were still trying to just get to D.C. Very, yeah. very early in the series. Yikes. This yeah, is one this was good. I, yeah. This was fun. The part where I fell off it was when they introduced this crazy-haired girl um, who was kind of loony. And do you know what I'm talking about? Crazy-haired um, girl. No, I, like... I know I read past the kingdom. I know I read very past the kingdom, but for some reason that's the last arc that really stuck with me. Well, they introduced this kind of loony girl who I think she said she was a princess or something or or was a, or was like a rock and roll star's daughter. I don't know what exactly it was, but she said that she was something in the previous life. Um, And she was just completely nuts and uh would just talk in these and it was it was definitely out of character with the more down like grounded down to earth characters that we'd gotten in this series um so i don't know if she was received very well but she was in this book and she made it till the end so no, i don't uh, even see her i don't even know who you're talking about but uh but uh yeah i mean i i think as a whole this is a great this has been a great series um the um just the entire uh the, the the final speech of Rick was, I mean, it did get to the point where it's cliche when it's like everybody's done and then Rick's got to give a speech. Yeah. Uh, and and he, he doesn't even get to give it. It's given for him, but it's yeah. his quote, which I thought was great. Yeah, but then at the end, like he's like, we're not the Walking Dead. I you know, it, it Well, no, the, originally he said, we're the Walking Dead. I we know. are. Dead. And then at the end of it, when Rick died, it was like, we're not The Walking Dead. I don't know. It made for a good bookend of the whole thing. Yeah, that happened yeah. last issue. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But I was like, oh, God damn it. I get it. It just, you know, it's one of those things. It's What was I watching? Was it maybe um, Family Guy where they would go to a movie and then they would say the name of the movie in the movie and Peter would go, oh, my God, that's the name of the movie. It's so cheesy to me. Uh, so I'm looking. I'm looking at a list of the of the um, collected editions, and I read up to issue around issue 114. Cool. It was a lot less than I thought. Yeah. I think I got to 150, so I, I think I'm actually going to go back and try to just. 
Yeah, like Maybe I, I didn't read big omnibus. I didn't yeah. read All Out War. I didn't read New Beginning. Yeah, I did read All Out War, but other than that, that's all. I, after All Out War, that's when I fell off. That yeah. is around one thirty-three, one thirty-five. Okay, maybe it, maybe it was a little earlier. Okay, I will say that this is quite a feat. Yeah, Kirkman, it is. Yeah. I mean, what's he going to do next? I mean, it's it's. Well, he's I doing mean, Die it's... Die Die that I I have one subscriber yeah. for. Uh, he's got Oblivion Song, which I have ten subscribers for. So that's kind of selling. I should... Is Outcast should done? Out, I think uh, so. I haven't seen done, an right? issue in a bit. Yeah. Well, and also, do you guys think that um, because? Uh, you know uh what's his name rick grimes left the series and it definitely looks like this walking dead series is going to be ending probably within the next season or two um that he kind of saw the writing on the wall and said all right let's let's just end this no on a high note rather than uh a note that like rather than petering out uh you know ended on a a good note. note. According yeah. to him, it's been fishy issues in the making. Yeah, he he mentions that in the the letter at the end of the book. I did book, read that part of the letter. Where he was yeah. like, that had nothing to do with it. I read it too, but I always tend to kind of. You're so jaded. You're yeah. so cynical. I, I just I am I'm lying. Cynical. But I'm I do I, conspiracy. I, I do not think this is the end of Kirkman and Walking Dead. So just like so, you reference um, uh, what's his name, Lincoln leaving the show, Rick Grimes leaving the show. Yeah. But he's coming back for like standalone movies in the next couple of years. Oh, is he? Yeah. So like he's still a part of like the franchise. Sure. I would put money on a couple of years from now, maybe an original graphic novel right. or some sort of revisitation to this world because you've got all that time in between and then you've got this new status quo. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that it's Plus, completely he keeps, over. He keeps uh, mentioning over and over in this letter at the end how weird it feels and how sad he is and all this other he's, he doesn't he's not sure he's ready to let it go so i wouldn't at the be same surprised time, i think that's a way of him addressing the uh, you know addressing the rest of the fans and right. saying like all right i know you're probably a little pissed that we just mm-hmm. ghosted on you um but all things have to come to an end he's it's kind a dear of like john letter at the end yeah he's doing yeah he's doing a very <laughs> you know a very loving coddling kind of ending note to this because he knows it could be really hurtful to some fans because as we know um fans of comic books can be a little testy and a little unforgiving sometimes so Um, irrational uh, but yeah what i was going to say was you know in the same way that terry moore just can't stop writing strangers in paradise characters yeah yeah i i do think it might be like that where it's it's it may not be these characters explicitly but i don't think that he's completely done at least in comic form with this world we'll find out yeah i have a theory Oh, I have, have you guys a theory. Ever, I just have a theory. Uh, have you guys ever like been out with friends? And I don't then, have like, friends. One of them, one of them gets really drunk, or one of them's obnoxious, and so you tell them, "Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go in for the night," and then you go and you take that friend home, and then you go back out. <laughs> How many times have you done that with me, JD? <laughs> Twice. I hold up fingers, and you tell me when to stop. <laughs> How many fingers do you have? <laughs> No, I'm just saying maybe Kirkman is doing that with Adlert. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, because when he tried to ghost Tony Moore, that just became and litigation. Like, yeah. So now like, he's just no, pretending. We scared, off to, we, we scared off Tony Moore in five issues, and then Adlard just wouldn't leave. And it's like, <laughs> there is no one else. Kill the entire franchise just who, to get him out of there. <laughs> if they brought this back, who do you imagine would draw? Who would you pick to draw it if Adlard didn't want to? Because there's no one else that's established the visual style for 186 issues. Who did 
Gotham Central. Lark? Michael Lark. Michael Lark. Would it be in uh, color? Riso. Riso. What about Eduardo Riso? Riso? Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He's a little too clean. Well, I was going to say he's a little too, almost a little too cartoony. Mm. His forms are, are very, like, almost. Yeah. I just think that I, I, no, I, I that. this is just not against this. Charlie Adlard because he's did an amazing job through this entire series. I, I don't want to, I just, I was just joking about that. But at yeah. the same time, we've all said the problem is that like these characters blend together so much. There's no distinction. There's no, there's no uh, head balloon box at the beginning telling us who the hell is who and how they're related to each other. It's just, it's, it's, it's definitely not new reader inclusive. And I think that's why the earlier issues of walking dead are, they're so good at putting that into print because it's like, you got to start this from the beginning. Basically. You know what? I got it. I think what? that as soon as Terry Moore is done with his five years, <laughs> he should just dead. draw and write yeah. uh, an arc of Walking Dead. He's going well, back to yeah. One final thing Terry Moore before did. we split. Uh, we were talking about who was the character you brought up that um, Starfarts character <laughs> that you brought up. Oh, Conan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the difference is Conan. I check in because I go, ah, oh, Jason Aaron's writing Conan. I wonder yeah. what that will be like. Whereas Walking Dead, it's always Kirkman. So like if someone wanna... had come along and be like, Jason Aaron's going to write an art arc of Walking Dead, I'd yeah. pick that up. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want anybody else to write this. I would want this to be Kirkman's. This is Kirkman's baby. Yeah. You don't want anybody writing on Kirkman's baby. I don't know. Like I, I, you know what? In my older age, I tend not to be very precious with anything anymore. Like remake it, redo it. Don't give a shit. Just do something different good just to, yeah just be good at like be different some... just be good at it so as much as i would like not want kirkman to just completely leave it i would be totally down with a new writer just telling me a story in this world yeah why not just have them just do a regular new zombie book with a new zombie cast why call it walking dead then i just well, think that Adler it's a remake sure. made this very simple you know it's very very uh clearly theirs but i don't know I would, I would not be for that, but mm. whatever. Maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll farm it out. And uh, well, I mean, if they decide to completely remake this whole thing, yeah, why call it Walking Dead? But if it's just taking the characters and a gap in time and telling a different story, not unlike people are doing with the Star Wars comic or yeah. or other licensed property that that there is a fan base for. If they do yeah. it well, it doesn't matter. Like those yeah. the Jason Aaron's uh, Star Wars comics were fantastic and i've never cared about ancillary uh licensed properties ditto yeah, yeah. so like well, yeah, they could do it they can they could but i honestly think there's nothing like i was really trying to think of a, of a series that's gone almost 200 issues um same writer same pretty much the same artist and um not uh and and been such a phenomenon as this i don't think there's there's anything like this no, I can't think. Ultimate of... Spider-Man. No, I was kidding. No, like even even Watchmen was a twelve-issue series, and it kept the right. It it, yeah. it sort of uh, you know it it was strong all the way through. Um, I guess Rising Stars tried something like that, but it Ooh, was no. it never caught on to me. No. Um, uh, but I certainly. Uh, I would say one of the biggest comic indie comic books of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with especially with like um, how it's a household name. In yeah. different mediums. Yeah, yeah I know it's Walking yeah. Dead. Well, you can email us and let us know what you guys thought of any of these books. 
uh, that we discussed this week at uh, uh, coltpopgo at gmail.com. <laughs> it's late, and i got to do my order still. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Noel. Hi. Mr. Oh, Bartocci on Twitter. I mean, Twitter. at Mr. Bartocci on Twitter, or, you know, send a voicemail or an email to... What was it? Coldpopgo had All the henchmen and sidekicks? Shut up. <laughs> and then Mark underscore L underscore Miller. Hey, let's start the podcast. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Are you recording? <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Bye. Uh, okay. All right, stop. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah.